and welcome to the Ipso podcast. We are the independent press standards organisation, the independent regulator of the majority of the UK's newspaper and magazine industry. If you're joining us for the first time, these podcasts are for anyone who's interested in newspapers, journalism, the media, how it's regulated, and of course, our work. And hello, and welcome back to our regular listeners. Thanks for joining us. Um, so I'm your host, my name is Vicky, and, and I am joined today by our standards officer, Rosemary Juice. Hello. Welcome, Rosemary. First time on the Ipsay Podcast. And uh, a uh, Ipsay Podcast alum, Madeline Palach, our complaints Hello. and arbitration officer. Thanks for joining us as well. Um, so the very observant amongst you will have noticed that we've recently published new information for the public on children and specifically the rules which safeguard children's welfare in terms of reporting. So let's talk about this a little bit. Tell us about it, Rosemary. So sometimes we get um, people asking what the media can and cannot print when it comes to children and this is an area where there's often a lot of confusion about this because people don't realise what the media can and cannot print. Um, So what we've done is we've produced some information for parents, guardians and anyone really who has concerns about the reporting of children and this outlines the rules that... um, journalists have to follow when it comes to reporting about children and also taking photographs of children just to um, inform the public really about what can be um, printed and this is really in response to some of the complaints that we've had and it follows on from other information which we've produced which just tells the public a little bit more about our role um, and what we can what we can cover. Uh, We've also done guidance on social media, deaths and inquests and court reporting. So this is the latest in that series of information. Indeed, I'm sure regular listeners of this podcast will of of course be familiar with some of those other exciting pieces of uh, information. Um, So we've been talking a little bit kind of around the rules. Um, So most people I think will know that Everyone that's a member of Ipso has to follow the editor's code. That's the set of rules that all of our members follow. Um, what does that say about children, Maddie? Sure. So um, essentially the code, it's designed to protect the individual um, and it seeks to balance their rights against the publication's right to sort of freedom of expression. There are specific clauses that protect children, clause six being the main one, but of course there's clause seven, which are talks about um, children when they're victims of sexual assault. So what does Clause 6 say about children? Um, There's various things it says, but I suppose if we kind of break it down, Clause 6 provides a broad protection. Uh, It talks about protection against unnecessary intrusion into a pupil's time at school. And that kind of mirrors Clause 2 a lot. Mm, Because Clause 2, privacy. So it's, I guess, an extra... Protection exactly. for children. Exactly. So it's sort of an additional, an additional protection in addition to clause two, um, and really this kind of broad protection mirrors the law, which talks about children having a right to a childhood. Um, and you'll notice from the the actual terms of clause six talks about all pupils um, being free to complete their time at school without unnecessary intrusion. And of course, pupils can be up to 18. So, you know, it can be many, uh, many age groups or uh, applies under this. Because mm, I, I suppose, actually, you know, when we talk about children in terms of the code, what do we mean here? Is there kind of like an age 
age cutoff is it 18 or is it yeah, 16? Yeah, well, as I said, you know, pupils they could be up to 18 years of age, um, and so there are broad protections to that. You know, say for example, a child's going through a college course, uh, you know, before university. Um, but clause six three, so we're going to be talking a bit later about cases which have involved photographs of children and that says clause 63 says children under 16 must not be interviewed or photographed on issues involving their own or another child's welfare unless a custodial parent or similarly responsible adult consent so there's an age limit there so it's 16 and, and under um, if you're interviewing or photographing children ah. um what do we mean by welfare rose three so a child's welfare means anything that relates to their well-being, so anything to do with their health, their personal life, their safety, or anything that could really intrude into their life or their time at school. So if a child had a health issue, then, and that was going to be written about in the paper, which these stories often are, then you would definitely have to have the consent of a parent or their guardian before writing about a child. Uh, mm. if so under the age of welfare is quite a broad kind yeah, of term. Yeah, it is the... definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um. So one of the things that we get asked about quite a lot is kind of that what you just kind of alluded to that element of parental permission. Um. So let's talk a bit about how that works. Um. Can newspapers print photos of children? They can if it's a general picture, for example, um, a picture of children playing in a park or on the beach quite often in the summer. Um, you get these sort of pictures of people enjoying the sunshine or something like um, a fate. Um, anything that doesn't really involve an individual child's welfare, um, those pictures can be printed. But if it's something that does affect welfare, for example, um, as I say, a child with health issues or um, something that could be more Maybe bullying. Or... Yeah, bullying or a child that's been involved perhaps in an accident, the aftermath of a car crash or something like that, then you would have to have the consent of the parent or their legal guardian. Because mm, I suppose that actually a lot of people m might be under the assumption that it's kind of just a straight no, that you can't you can't do that but that's actually not the yeah case, that does seem to be a bit of a misconception which is partly why we've produced this guidance um and i guess while we're talking about photos it's always a good time to uh to mention social media um so we do have a an exciting and more in-depth podcast on this for people that are interested um but generally what about those photographs taken from social media well, if you've got your social media set to public and you don't have any privacy settings on that, then anyone can view your pictures, and including journalists, and they can use those pictures. But only, as we've said before, you know that they wouldn't intrude on a child's welfare. Um, they would have to think carefully about if there's any other information in the picture or anyone else that could be identified where that could cause issues. But yeah, if you have got open um, privacy settings, then those pictures can be used. Hmm. Um, and we did, we promised some Ipso rulings, we were promised some, Maddie. Um, so talk to us about what you've got. So these are some examples of how um, the code um, gives added protections to children. Yeah, so on the theme of, of pixelation, it leads me nicely onto um, a case which was um, against mirror.co.uk. Um, and this article 
um, reported on a video which had gone viral on social media and which showed sort of a physical fight between um, two quite young girls. Um, now, uh, the mother of one of the alleged, I suppose, bullies um, in the incident, she complained to us and said that she hadn't been given permission for the photograph, for the video, sorry, um, which showed her daughter um, engaging in this altercation to be published. And so she said by publishing it, the article had had breached her, her daughter's welfare, you know, her privacy, mm. her privacy Because I guess bullying, you know, whether you're the bully or the victim, that that is a kind of thing that engages a, a child's welfare, Exactly, and that's what the committee said in this case. So they were clear that this was a, uh, clearly a case which um, related to both of the children's welfare. Um, and they said it did have the potential to intrude into the complainant's daughter's time at school. Uh-huh. Um, but they looked at two things. They, the committee, um, when they looked at this complaint, noticed and welcomed the fact that the newspaper had taken steps to pixelate the faces of the children involved. And presumably they did that to kind of protect their, their exactly. privacy. So that would have limited the extent to which people that would not already have known them, um, the extent to which they would have been able to identify them from the video in the article. Um, so that's a really good example of, of a publication taking steps before publication to think carefully about a child's interests and you know their privacy rights. Um, I'm interested in what the you know the the reasons for publishing something like that in the first place. Yeah, so this is exactly going to what the committee said about the public interest in reporting on this video. So it's it's worth saying that the code makes clear that where there has been an intrusion into a child's time at school unnecessarily or into their privacy, an exceptional public interest um, must be demonstrated in order to, you know, justify publication of that information Um, and so in this case the committee said that there was an exceptional public interest uh, which justified publication of the video importantly in its pixelated form and that public interest was contributing to um, public debate about antisocial behaviour amongst young people um, and so you'll have noticed from what the committee said that they made clear that that was a public interest which justified the pixelated video. So it's unclear, perhaps, that if it was unpixelated, what, what the decision what potentially be. might have happened. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, so we got any other examples of where the code protects children's privacy? Yeah, so actually in quite stark contrast from the case that I've just... Um, Almost like it's planned, Maddie. Almost like I've planned it. Uh, In in contrast to the case I just um, explained, um, a lady called Eloise Dixon complained against the Daily Telegraph. Um, This was um, an article which reported uh, that Eloise Dixon herself had been shot um, by um, armed bandits while on holiday with her family in Brazil. Um, The online version of the article um, contained a photograph of her young daughter and her face had not been pixelated. Um, So in response to the complaint that this was an intrusion into her daughter's privacy and obviously related to her welfare, the newspaper said, well, this was quite an old photograph 
um, and therefore given the passage of time it would be likely that the child would look very different to what they did in the photograph that was published. Um, so let's just look what the committee said to that argument and what they said in this case. So the committee said that the article clearly reported on a, on a, on a subject which involved the welfare of the complainant well, children. Yeah, clearly, clearly. I mean, yeah, she was photographed next to her mother who the article reported had been, you know, almost, you know, died in, while on holiday with, with her. So um, clearly engaged the terms of Clause 6. Um, the committee actually directly grappled with the argument of the newspaper and it said that it transpired that this was an old photograph. It didn't justify the newspaper's decision to publish it in this particular context. And it noted that the complainant's child was still under 16 at the time the article was published. Mm, so what happened as a, as a result of that? Um, so the committee upheld that complaint because they said that there wasn't any public interest justification, let alone an exceptional public interest. Mm to publish this unpixelated photograph. And, you know, it ties nicely into pixelation uh, discussion that we're having, but also for journalists looking at photographs on social media, you know, the committee rejected the newspaper's argument that given the passage of time, people look different. And so it doesn't excuse, you know, a newspaper not thinking carefully about mm, child so, rights. You know, I guess a lesson for, for journalists and editors in being really careful and making sure that you you consider exactly. uh, both clause two and clause six when you're you're thinking about what to include exactly and what steps you can do such as pixelation mm. to limit the intrusive effect of um, the information that you want to publish um finally finally a case i wanted to, to just um, touch on is a recent case that the committee have looked at um this was an uh, article reported in the Sunday Times, um, which reported on sort of an alleged initiation ritual in a dorm room at a boarding school. Because we do see a, a fair amount of complaints about kind of articles about bullying, don't yeah, we? Yeah, so exactly. I mean, the terms of clause six are sort of, you know, when we talk about welfare, it obviously lends very easily to... Um, articles which report on bullying but you know equally at the same time an issue that it is important to raise awareness of. absolutely and that's exactly the um what the committee ultimately found in this case they noted um the the public interest but before i kind of talk about that um the article itself contained an audio recording of the alleged incident um and it contained some you could hear not very clearly um kind of people speaking and talking about what they were going to do um and also you could hear um a child being hit uh it sounded like and you'd hear sort of an apparent um kind of yelp or you know mm. reaction to that um and the complainant uh, complained to us and said that uh he was the father of the boy that had yelped okay um and you could be heard screaming and so he had been identified as a result of what the newspaper had published um the newspaper strongly defended this complaint on the basis that the complainant's son was simply not identifiable from the audio recording 
um, and they said that they took steps before publication to edit the footage, the, the audio recording, sorry, so that people wouldn't be able to identify. Oh, so, that's, the so it's another example of, I guess, newspapers taking exactly. steps to try to limit that kind of invasion of exactly. privacy. And you'll see through all of these rulings and other rulings which relate to children and privacy is the committee looked very carefully about what thought processes newspapers go through before they publish and they look to see whether there's been a real consideration of the issues raised under the code before publication. Mm. Um, and so the committee ultimately found in this case that the steps which the newspaper had taken essentially had created an audio recording which you wouldn't be able to identify the people which were the subject of it from the information which was disclosed. So it was you know, very difficult to hear distinct voices, etc. And the committee welcomed that. They said had someone had been a if someone had been able to identify the child because perhaps they knew that he was at the school there was an exceptional public interest which overrode any potential intrusions into his privacy because as we said at the start of the debate about you know young children and their sort of bullying each other and physical altercations at, at, a, at a sort of publicly funded school um so yeah that was that was the committee's ultimate finding that there was no breach of the code because of the identifiable issues, identification issues. Well, I mean, if you are interested in more rulings on children, you can, of course, search all the complaints rulings on our website. They say if you search under Clause 6, you'll be able to see some of the more recent rulings that um, the our complaints committee has made about children, um, which may be of interest. Um, and the the public information is available on our website now. So that's www.ipsa.co.uk. Um, and thank you very much, both of you, for joining you. us on the podcast. Um, and as always, let us know what you think. We are on at Ipsa News on Twitter, and you can email us at inquiriesworithaneye at ipsa.co.uk. Um, and we will see you again for the next podcast.